Hi, this is Chiezan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you. Thank you for joining this evening for Basic Buddhist Teachings. This evening, I'm going to be talking about the first paramita of Buddhism, which is dana paramita, or generosity. And uh, these paramita meaning perfection, there's sometimes six perfections or ten perfections, depending on where you look. The way I like to relate to them, though, is just to bring some more attention into certain areas of our lives and our practice. So Dhanaparamita, in its most traditional sense, is the gesture of giving, particularly to the monastic community, through alms, material goods. But something that makes it a little bit different from maybe a more traditional generosity is there's nothing transactional about it. That one gives freely without expecting anything in return, which is a very hard gesture. It's a very hard gesture, not only because we're not just looking for a transaction back towards us, we can actually self-transact, that we actually can give because we receive a good feeling. So nobody knows that we've given, nobody knows that we're being generous, but we get a micro-credential out of this generosity. And again, coming back to the most traditional aspect of generosity or, or dana, there's considered three forms of traditional generosity in Buddhism. The first is the giving of material goods. That would be, as I was saying, offering alms to monks. For us, it would be uh, any material offerings we make, anything that we give as a gift. We just got through a full holiday all about giving, giving things. The second form of generosity, uh, sometimes talked about as the, the generosity of protection. I like to think of it as a generosity of well-being. Sometimes the, the generosity of friendship, generosity of a, a parent, the generosity of a teacher, could function in this arena of, of protection, somebody that you can go to and you have some relative safety with. And the Buddha said the highest form of generosity is the offering of the teachings themselves, the encouragement that we give to one another to see the truth for ourselves, to practice the Dharma, to practice meditation, a type of empowerment that helps somebody grow or go beyond but there isn't anything that we can't look at in our practice that isn't an aspect of generosity. And that's where I like to go with this, because it's not a simple thing that you learn. It's not a type of giving that you learn, but you recognize the profound generosity that is occurring in everything at all times, everywhere. Like that movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. And Sokazan gave a meditation instruction many years ago it's in the meditation primer I, I can't recall which one it's one of the first three or four where he is encouraging us to acknowledge the profound generosity of the wall when we sit and meditate we sit and we face the wall and he says something along the lines of the wall is giving you everything the wall is completely generous just by being there 
So it's an inherent generosity. It's not a transaction. Just the very fact that something is arising in consciousness is the totality of its generosity. It's not a matter of how it fits into our ideas of usefulness, how we benefit from it. In a similar fashion, our most terrifying negativity is a profound offering of generosity that everything is an invitation to receive. Everything is giving us an opportunity to practice generosity through that receiving or giving everything your attention, which is another way Sokazan talks about it. And this showed up a little bit during book study this afternoon. And it's not something we can just implement. And I think that's important. Anytime we hear the teachings, some of them are enticing, some of them are confusing, but none of them are to simply or simple-mindedly be implemented. But to consider every aspect of consciousness, sight, smell, taste, sound, touch, and the mind as an offering of generosity, or as I said, as the raw material of the past. Everything is offering itself to you as a part of your path precisely as it shows up, no assembly required. And notice that toys don't require as much assembly as they did when I was young. All of Rumi's toys came pre-assembled and with batteries. I don't know if anyone had that as a kid, like you're always like, did dad buy the AA batteries for the toy he bought you? And then you have this brand new toy and there's no batteries and they all come with batteries now. So generosity. Generosity is not something that we can idealize because it doesn't always feel comfortable. The world is not always generous in the way that we want it to be generous, but it's always generous in the way that it needs to be generous. And, and when I say needs to be generous, I'm not implying a fruition that it's generous in this way because this will show you this one thing about your mind and you will get here. Just in the very simple act of it showing up is enough of a reason that it needs to be there. The wall is completely generous. It's giving you everything. You don't need to modify anything about it. Our negativity, our anger, our aggression is completely generous just by showing up. And as practitioners of the Buddha's Dharma, as practitioners of meditation, our intention is to endeavor to work with it as the material of the path. And that includes our resistance. It includes the way in which we idealize everything that is constantly arising but to just continue to persist. And this is an aspect of that traditional generosity of the Dharma, the idea of encouraging one another to persist, that this does not settle or shake out or resolve in a way that we can consider it like some form of artificial utopia. So we may need that constant reminder, that encouragement, that whatever's showing up, that's our path. That's what we work with. And as we begin to see that for ourselves, you may notice a softness towards one another because we recognize that just as we're having these avalanches of feelings and emotions and we're endeavoring to work with them, we're not special in that sense. It's not a, a unique situation. The first noble truth of suffering does not uh, discriminate, does not discriminate amongst beings. Are there any questions about generosity or, or dana paramita?
The way you just described suffering, it makes me wonder, is, is suffering a kind of generosity? Uh, suffering, uh, sure, I think you could say that. Is there more to that? How can we be generous to ourselves when we're receiving that suffering? Generosity is not anything that's amped up. To me, I really resonate with the idea of intention that we are hearing about continuously for Soka, from Sokazan. So how do we do it? Just return to the intention that when you hear these teachings, it's not like all of a sudden you stop outflowing, that you just you just have an off off switch, no more of that. But we have a lot more interest in what it is that's actually functioning, what is what it is that is arising, what is it that's grasping, what is it that's projecting, outflowing. So to just return to that intention. And you could also look at how often our questions around the Dharma revolve around the idea of uh, getting beyond it, fixing it. And we could see how can I actually go into this negativity? What is it beneath what I am calling it, beneath all the stories? What is the most raw aspect of that? What is the very texture of what it is that I'm, I'm smoothing over with my descriptions? What, what is the rawest aspect of suffering? I think one way you could talk about it is just texture. It's just contrast. But again, when we look at the way in which we suffer, we don't want to abandon that to try to find something that may align as rawness. So I think about flashing on just the, the complexity of our negativity. Take anger. You have something happens. Anger arises. You have a tremendous story about it, and we get so wrapped up in the elaborations, we could actually flash into how that's showing up in the body. We could flash into the other sense fields. We could actually acknowledge more of the situation, which soaks on called alternating sense awareness practice, as a way of not fixating on just one quality, which is usually the story, the easiest part to fixate onto. So seeing if you can't spread the awareness around a little bit in the midst of that. Thank you. Thank you. When you're bowing, we're encouraged to give Donna to the teacher. What What is Donna for the teacher bowing? There's a, a lot of forms that that takes. And as I said, the most traditional would be a physical offering. So um, money. There's just paying for gas, paying for shoes. But the, to me, the teacher can offer a type of generosity that may not be available to us in the form of teaching, but the way in which we can offer generosity is to practice those teachings diligently. And I, I feel like Sokuzan has referred to that as the most important thing or the greatest offering we can give to the teacher is to practice the teachings. This is something Milarepa um, also said to his one of his main disciples, Gampopa, was that the merit produced through practicing uh, diligently what the teacher teaches 
surpasses any form of offering that a student can make to a teacher. You could say there's no way to repay the teacher. You could also say that there's nothing to repay, but the teacher introduces you to something that you can. What does the teacher introduce you to? The teacher in the most traditional sense would be saying, introduce you to the world, to your world, but the teacher doesn't introduce you to anything. The introduction is the path. And then when you see that, what the teacher is pointing at has always been the case, um, the separation falls apart. Thank you. Unyo. Unyo bowing. You, you say money is a, a good offering? Sure. What would be, should we then expect a thank you from the teacher we offer and then the teacher thanks us, bowing? I, I think that's a good question and it gets pretty political to me at that point. And if we can, if we prioritize the awareness, just relate to the interaction that arises. But to go ahead and say, kind of blanket some sort of stoicism around that, um, probably not so helpful. But whatever the teacher responds with or doesn't respond with, if that's the teacher, that's part of uh, our introduction to the world. So we we receive it. We always receive it as generosity. So again, I wouldn't I wouldn't set it up because we're getting ready for this big fundraiser and we're spending a lot of time about how to talk, thank people because what, what people do is meaningful. It, it helps us help others. It helps us grow this in such a way that we don't force this. It's not proselytized, but it's accessible. It's just that people can know about it. And there's nothing wrong with saying, thank you for helping us do that. It's the demand that gets wrapped up in that that can be so difficult. Um, Sokazan often thanks me. I make offerings. I, I made him a, a scroll, as you know, for Christmas. And he, yeah, he, he thanked me. He was very grateful for that. Who's that about? Me. Thank you. Mioka. Mioka bowing. Are all interactions between student and teacher Donna? You could, you could talk about it that way, but if, if we... If we go too heavily into that, it becomes a type of relativism where we actually don't see the generosity. So you could start that in that area and try to look at how all those interactions are an offering. As I said, everything is an offering, but use that as a way to look at it instead of dismissing it. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing at all, but our tendency is when we find a teaching that seems to apply universally, we actually use it to cover up the uniqueness of those interactions. So yes, I feel that every interaction with the teacher is an offering of generosity, but so is every interaction with the Sangha. So is every interaction with the world. So we want to look very closely at what is it that makes that generosity because it's not simply our idea of generosity. It, it, what is the fundamental generosity because it's not, it's not an offering, it's not um, a transaction. It's, it's just showing up. You know, Kabawing, so then would you say all Dharma is generosity? Um, I, I wouldn't, but I think you could. I think that, that, again, if that helps you look into it, absolutely. 
But as I said, I think it's important that we, as long as we don't take that statement and use it to smooth over all of the texture, all of the uniqueness of those interactions, um, the Buddha's generosity, the Dharma's generosity, the Sangha's generosity, the law is generosity, our emotions, what we see, smell, taste, hear, feel, think. The way you just said that makes me wonder if um, is refuge how is that generosity? Um, when I am talking about it, and I would say yes, again, you could say that what I want to look closely at is there's some expectation of transaction that occurs because generosity goes beyond any form of transaction. So with refuge, absolutely. There's a tremendous generosity that is offered, providing containers, providing supports for us to practice. But just look at how, when we move into an arena like that, an area like that, we may start to make demands. Because with refuge, we have certain ideas of what that means it's inevitable to go into the situation with, uh, with those expectations. If we are looking closely, then those expectations can actually become more clear as we begin to see the situation more clearly or as the situation continues to evolve. So I would just say in going into any aspect of your life with this idea of generosity, use it to look very closely at what the situation is instead of just default to generosity. Thank you. Thank you. Soto, Soto You mentioned this, and I, I've studied too that traditionally and historically, the lay community and the monastic community were kind of separate, and the lay community would provide dana to the monastic community to support them. In this country, does it look like it? is lacking anything because there's not really a a bunch of people who don't practice this giving us money or helping us out there's there's nothing lacking there's no standard to live up to the very situation that we're living in is the one we need to relate to it's not that over time we might not ask in different ways or talk to people about how they can support this situation but when you say is there anything lacking no now, if our goal as practitioners were to create something, if our goal as practitioners were to establish something that was unchanging, then there would always be something lacking. But our intention uh, is not inhibited by this coming together or falling apart. As Sokazana said, it doesn't matter if this situation that we call Sokokoji falls apart. And that's a pretty profound statement if we look at that. Our practice is not um, limited to any one situation. And yet, so long as we have a structure, we should utilize it. If we have the opportunity to maintain this or to support this or to make this uh, continue, we should. But no, I don't think anything is, is lacking. What is it to intend to nurture the situation if it doesn't matter that it works out or apart what does it mean to intend to nurture this it's simple it's 
so simple. I want to hit you. I'm not sure what you're unclear about. It's it's the very thing we're doing. It's the very thing just of just functioning. But if there was a fire and this building came down, we'd have to change this entirely. If the city came in and said, you can't be in Battle Creek anymore, we'd have to relate to that. But the simplicity is shovel the driveway, clean the toilets, see if we can't pay the electrical bill. Very practical. Thank you. So grand. So grand bowing. Is there such a thing as too much or too little when it comes to Donna bowing? No, because if, if the if the Donna is situational, then it's always appropriate to the situation. Now, if we hyper idealize it. Then I think we can get into trouble because we're we're doing it out of this idea of, of a correct way to do it. And even that is a form of transaction. And I think that the that Donna is much more situational than that. The way in which we relate to everything as it arises informs the way in which it needs to be related to. I think there are, are situations where we can we could go overboard in, in either way, but both of them offer an opportunity to look at our stinginess. Or look at this idea of how great I am by how much I can give. So, Corinne, by when that is unclear to the one that's giving, where do we begin bowing? Well, I would begin with the very feeling, the un the lack of clarity or the perceived lack of clarity, because the path is always primary, the practice is always primary. So we look at whatever arises. And the other part of this, which I wouldn't uh, expect to surprise you with, would be to ask the teacher, so long as that situation is there, why not utilize it to help understand that more deeply? But again, if, if the practice is always primary, whatever shows up, what what you do is far less important than your willingness to look at what is showing up. So Corinne Bowing, are you saying that giving Donna isn't an action, Bowing? So if we come back to the three forms of generosity, giving material goods is an action. Giving support, giving protection, is an action and initially uh, sharing the dharma is an action so there is a very practical aspect to all of that i'm just saying that i don't feel that we want to go out and try to imitate or create some sort of artificial generosity but to actually look at every given situation we work with the situations that arise mutually as opposed to in a premeditated form Thank you. So, Kazan, Hondo. Hondo Bowling, is there something that we can do as a community to uh, express our gratitude? Yes. How do we do that now, Bowling? I think there are a lot of ways in which that show up, and the one I've been coming back to quite frequently over the last few months is to be kind. 
I feel that sometimes the speed at which people move, and I would say this about you, to just acknowledge 17 people that live here, it doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture, but I often feel that the way in which we move, the way in which we go about our day, everything is so... Uh, secondary to whatever we have on our mind, making eye contact, bowing, how are you, slowing down. It's also a tremendous amount of generosity that goes into behind the scenes. A number of people work tirelessly to keep this functioning. Showing up in the forums is an offering of generosity. I think that's one that I feel particularly supported by is coming into the Zendo when other people are in here sitting. So again, each one of us has to look at that for ourselves and see the way which we can do that. I know um, one of the things I work with is I don't particularly like to be around people. It's, it's just, I really like to be alone. It's very pleasant for me. There's nothing sad about it for me. <laughs> and so I try to make it a point to show up early to forms and just sit in White Tara and see who's around just put myself in those situations where it's not about what I'd prefer, but there are times where I can just show up in different ways. Usually I have really nice conversations. I've said this before, particularly in the morning times, people aren't so ornery yet. There's a lightness in the morning where people are just kind of doing okay so far. They're not stressed out by their days. That's my favorite time to interact with all of you. By um, by this time on Friday, everyone's just shot. It's just everyone needs a hug and a bedtime story. <laughs> what about it? Seems like in many religious traditions, there's like a corporate prayer or some sort of acknowledge in a gathering, a corporate gathering. Is there something that we do to do that? I'm not sure what that is. What do you mean? Thank you uh, for to acknowledge uh, the generosity of the day together as a as a group. Well, in our uh, protection prayer at the end of the night, we supplicate for the well-being of this community and its practitioners and, and the buildings. So I think we do that pretty regularly. I don't know if we we make a prayer of thanks for what everyone's doing, but we certainly extend ourselves to others through what we recite, through the Metta Sutta, through the Bodhisattva vows, through taking refuge. So maybe shows up a little bit different because it's not so much of a theistic bend. Um, we're not expressing gratitude to a divinity, but we are acknowledging others. Mm -hmm. Beautiful bowing. Yes. Could you talk more about the importance of dana and also the relationship between dana and our own practice? Bowing. Well, I I think that the importance of dana is to look at the stinginess. I Trungpa Rinpoche called it a poverty mentality, and I thought that was a really helpful way to consider it, the way in which we're so afraid for our well-being that we actually see others as an encroachment or a threat to that and so the the practice of generosity again it, it takes a lot of forms 
to start simply with simple offerings of generosity, as I've said in the context of practice, would be doing what you do. You show up, you practice, you ask questions, you ask questions for the benefit of others. That's another traditional um, offering that comes right out of the, the sutras. You know, thank you, Mahamati. Thank you, Sabuti. Thank you for asking for the benefit of others. Yeah, is there more to that? Yes. Um, I could be wrong, but what I read traditionally, Donna, is very important for uh, for practitioners. Um, and also, Sokaran just asked a question about not too small, not too big. But for me is how can I uh, understand more about that, uh, not only for my own practice, but also for practice for others too. Bowing. I appreciate the question. I feel like it's a very difficult one because it's it, it can be incredibly personal. It's a pretty intimate situation and in that to address that in a large situation for me is a little bit difficult. I come back to the idea of awareness. There are areas in which you're probably already giving. I know you give a tremendous amount of your time and your, your energy to your family. It's a tremendous amount you offer to your children and to your, your partner. To start with that, I would just say bringing the awareness into how that feels. There may be times where you notice resentment showing up for how much you do and how little you get back, especially with children. It can be hard. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's like you're just exhausting yourself. And then they're asking, well, why can't I have more? Why can't I do more? And you just want to lock them in a closet. <laughs> I think that that's an area that um, is probably more personal that you could look at. You could actually look at And it's not about not having that feeling. It's not that if you're being generous, you wouldn't get irritated with your children at all but there's an opportunity to just bring some attention into the the feelings that inevitably seem to show up when we start giving ourselves our time our money our resources our energy and and you're right the the idea of generosity is foundational to buddhism in a traditional sense that the buddha's having his monks beg for food. Uh, he was very particular about that, that the monks should never skip houses and they should never just return to the houses that gave the best food because their begging provided an opportunity for generosity. So everyone should be given that, that opportunity. So the monks did that by going house to house and asking for their alms. Uh, Susan Bowling. Susan. So Chazon, when I first started tuning in to you all, I guess a couple of years ago, and I remember sending a check and not getting an acknowledgement for it, and finally having to ask, did you receive my check? And and what I was told was that that I you all, like I can't say, I'm not saying you, but that you all didn't know you were supposed to thank donors. So how does the thank you figure into this whole idea of generosity. And I know Buddhists, you hear, you should be able to give without expecting anything in return, but is that realistic bowing? There's nothing about the path that's realistic, Susan. 
we are learning and I, I I hope that you learned from that too because we certainly did that this situation is always an offering an opportunity to learn and so we've changed or we're we're trying our best to 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 do what is uh more recognizable on a larger scale and you're still here so that says something about your willingness to to work with the situation to have maybe not at the time it didn't feel very humorous but i think that i don't know i feel like there's some some humor that comes out of you that i that i enjoy and so i think that yeah there are areas where as a community and as an organization we are growing and that's something for anyone to consider this situation arose so organically that it it didn't have the traditional mindset of an organization, we we know how to provide resources and facilities for training the mind. We've learned how to make Sokazan's teachings accessible, but uh, growth is difficult. You know, when I moved in, it was Sokazan, Unyo, me, and one other person. And so it was pretty simple. And over the last 12 years, as we grow, as we reach into further, further, uh, areas there are things we're just functionally learning how to do um, for those people that come here and, and offer we encourage communication and hopefully provides you an opportunity to look at your mind while also us having an opportunity to do the same thing and receive what you have to offer susan bowing so in the situation I'm talking about, I didn't know if it was my problem or your problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just stick around and see what happens here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you stuck around. <laughs> you. Beyond bowing. Is there a sane transaction when it comes to generosity? A sane transaction? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all sane until we take possession of them. Yeah. How do you mean till we take possession of them? That's when the expectation starts to, to show up. The demand. You notice you might do something for somebody 50 times and all of a sudden it's irritating to you. Just very function it's very straightforward yeah there's that there's that little bit of stinginess there's a fear around generosity and i i notice it part a lot in this in the context of a community that is so supportive where nobody's going to end up on the streets no one's going to be hungry nobody's going to be cold for too long there's still some sort of fear that that's not the case. And I, I'm not sure what that is, but it, it it's deeply seated. But I think there's all sorts of sane transactions on a daily basis here. And they're so benign, we can't even really call them to mind. And yet all day long, we're in relationship to one another. We're, we're transacting on some level. There's some sort of generosity occurring. Beyond bowing, how does the community context help you see some deep seed to speak of? I think because we see how illogical our fears are 
when we see time and time again how this community can come together to support somebody that needs whatever it is. And yet every time there's still a little bit of fear. And so if you look at it in as objective a form as you can, you see that's ridiculous. I don't know. No one's going hungry. No one's going to be, you know, I've had offers to pay for medical bills. It just It just comes together. Um, and so I think that's how the community in particular helps us see that because there are people that are not as fortunate where that can fall apart in very devastating ways. But in this situation, it's interesting with all the safety that there is, there's still that twinge of fear. Any final questions? Go ahead, you Regarding generosity, is our ego which needs to be recognized? I think so. Yes, I think there's a, a strong demand for acknowledgement. Again, not to be gotten rid of. Don't need to modify that necessarily, but an opportunity to see the way in which the world, the situations function as a mirror for our own neurotic tendencies. I have one more question about giving and receiving. Sure. And when I... um. When I even say that to myself, giving is receiving, that open up myself a little bit more regarding my own uh, stinginess, uh, regarding generosity. So when I even say that to myself as encouragement, should I just be aware, like giving and not giving or how much I gave? Anytime you say you know, should I should I just be aware of that? I would say that's a, a pretty good starting point. Yes. Just bring your awareness into that and as much as you can, but don't necessarily look for the results of what that means. That you're you're already doing it just by asking the question, just by considering it, that's already happening. So it's not anything uh to to ramp up. Hi, this is Chiazan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokukoji.org. Thank you.